So, and the, the, the last sentence of that video was that uh, learning how uh, matter changes state is really helpful. It's helpful in chemistry. It's helpful in cooking. And today we're going to add to that list, it's helpful when it comes to our own personal transformation. Learning how we are transformed is really helpful. Uh, what I, I can't explain scientifically, I can't explain everything that we just demonstrated in that experiment. Uh, but I do know this, heat changes things. Heat has a way of changing things. Heat can take a an ice cream cone and turn it into a milkshake. And heat can take a heart that is hard, that is cold, and warm it and soften it. It can take a neck that is stiff and loosen it. The question that really confronts all of us is this one, do I want to change? Do I want to be transformed? And the answer to that question is maybe not as obvious as it seems because we would say, of course, I, I want to be changed. I, I want to grow. I want to be transformed. But then when we begin to learn what's involved in our transformation, then we might reconsider, do I really want to, to change? Do I really want to be transformed? I love to uh, preach sermons that have as their application this truth that, that God loves you just as you are. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I preached a sermon and we quoted Brennan Manning in it. God loves you just as you are, not as you're supposed to be, because none of us are as we are supposed to be. And I love preaching that sermon, and I can tell you from the feedback I got, you loved hearing it. Uh, I don't think we ever tire of having to hear that God loves us just as we are. We need to be reminded of that over and over again. And I also love to stand up here and, and extend the invitation to say, come just as you are. Like If we can't come just as we are, then we can't come, and there is no good news. So God loves you just as you are. You are invited to come just as you are, but sometimes what I fail to proclaim with the same level of enthusiasm, with the same passion is that this invitation to come as you are and this assurance that God loves you as you are does not mean that he calls us to stay as we are. Like God is in the business of salvation, but he's also in the business of transformation. God wants to change us. He doesn't just want to save us. He wants to transform us, to change us, so that, that our lives embody the fruits of the Spirit more and more. And those besetting sins that have their claws in us, he wants us to put to death the deeds of the body so that we resemble him more and more. So again, do you want to be transformed? Do you want to be changed? So assuming the answer is yes, how does that happen? So as I thought about that, I, I arrived at the conclusion that it's really a, a collaboration it's a joint effort. There's, there's things that only God can do. Like, I don't have the power to, to change my heart. That is a, a God-sized job. But there are things that we have to do. He, he asks us to do things to, to partner with him in our transformation. So next week, 
we're going to be looking at the things that we're called to do. But today, I just want to focus in on what is it that God does in our transformation? Heat changes things. So what does God do? He turns up the heat in our lives for the sake of transformation. Join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Father, you tell us that your word is living and active, that your word has the power to transform us. And so we invite your Holy Spirit and your Holy Word to work in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So here it is. God has three ways of turning up the heat in our lives. Discipline or correction, suffering, and hardship. Isn't that great news? Who woke up this morning and said, you know, today I just, I want an extra dose of correction. Like, Lord, please bless me today with some, some suffering. Lord, would you bring some hardship into my life so that I, I might grow today? We don't, we don't pray those things. And yet these, what we would say, undesirable things are the very things that God uses to transform us. Heat changes things. And so the first thing we're going to look at is discipline or correction. And our passage is Hebrews chapter 12. And we're picking it up at verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And it begins by saying this. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline or lose heart when he rebukes you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes, he chastens everyone that he accepts as sons. So this passage begins by saying, you've forgotten this word of encouragement, this proverb, Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. You've forgotten Proverbs 3. This verse that says, I, my son, I, don't make light of my discipline. My son, we can add my daughter, don't make light of my Discipline, don't lose heart when I rebuke you because I'm disciplining you because I love you. And I'm treating you like a, a father who loves their children. Don't make light of it. Why would they have forgotten? Well, do those words sound like encouraging words to you? Discipline, correction, rebuke, punishment, chastening. These are not words that we would all throw in the encouraging column. These are words that we would push off to the, the discouraging column. I mean, who desires the heat of discipline? Who longs to walk on hot coals of correction? Who desires the sting of rebuke or the pain of punishment? The answer to that question is we do. As children of God, we do. We're called to welcome God's discipline, his correction, his rebuke, and even his chastening, his punishment. Knowing that he's doing all of these things 
because he loves us. God is disciplining us because he has the heart of a father, because he loves us as his children. He's turning up the heat in our life to bring healing, to bring transformation. Proverbs 15, 31, 32 says it this way. It says, whoever listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. But whoever ignores discipline despises himself. So I, I was asking myself the question, why God, why do you have to use heat? Like why, why couldn't we do some other, have some other agenda for my transformation? And I think God would turn that question on me saying, I'd love to. I'd love to use some other means to, to transform you. But the, the Psalm, Psalm 32 says to me, why are you like the horse? Why are you like the mule who will not come unless there's a bit and bridle in your mouth? It's because we are hard-hearted. It's because we're unwilling to change and transform that God has to turn up the heat. I think he would love for us to be transformed some other way, but we're stubborn. And so sometimes he, he turns up the heat. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, God whispers to us. God whispers to us in pleasure. God speaks to us in our consciences. But God shouts to us in our pain. God shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a dead world. God is, has a father's heart. He disciplines because he loves. Listen as the passage continues. Verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us, our parents, for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. No dis discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What I think we are all aware of is that one of the most mm, hurtful things that a parent can do for their child is to neglect to train them, to neglect to correct them, to neglect to discipline them. Uh, now, we know uh, as parents, sometimes we get it wrong. Uh, sometimes the pendulum swings too far one way or the other. Sometimes we fail to, to discipline. Why? Because maybe we're just tired and we don't want to deal with it. Maybe because we want to go easy on, on Junior or, you know, our, our little girl. We just don't want to make life difficult for them. And so we, we fail to correct. And sometimes the pendulum swings too far the other way and it becomes abusive. We don't discipline out of a spirit of love, out of wanting the best for our child. We're just taking out our anger on our child. We don't always get it right, but God always gets it right. 
He always disciplines out of a a spirit of love. His desire is always to bring life to us. And so the scripture is saying, don't make light of it. When God is disciplining you, don't make light of it because he's doing this for your best. Don't ignore it. To ignore it is actually to despise yourself. I love how the passage concludes. It says, therefore, because all of this is true, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Again, what I see him saying is, one, don't let the pendulum swing so far that that you just don't pay attention to God's correction. But two, don't go the other direction and just wallow in self-condemnation and beat yourself up. That is not why God disciplines you. He doesn't want us to drown in shame. He brings guilt as a gift so that we can strengthen our, our feeble arms, strengthen our weak knees, and make level paths. We're on a path that is leading to destruction, and so he brings discipline as a means to say, you know what? There's a better path. Get off of this path and walk on this path. Don't make light of it. One of the unmistakable signs that God is at work in your life is the presence of conviction. Like when God is pricking your spirit, when the spirit in you is sparking your conscience and saying, you know what, this is not right. When you experience guilt, that is the gift of God. I mean, think what it would be like if you didn't experience that. That would not be a father who loves their child. So don't make light of it. So in addition to the heat of discipline, God adds the heat of suffering. And Paul wrote about this when he wrote the letter to the Romans. And uh, just as the context, this letter to the Romans, these are Christians who are, are familiar with suffering. They're living in Rome, and many of them have lost loved ones. The empire has come and taken their loved ones and put them in the arena for sport, to be fed to lions, to be killed in the most brutal way. He is writing this letter to people who know suffering firsthand. Listen to what he says. This is Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only so, we also rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. This is Paul's way of saying to the Romans, heat changes things. The heat of suffering changes things. Heat brings transformation. C.S. Lewis was right. Sometimes it is only pain that that gets our attention he said that that suffering is god's megaphone to rouse a world that is dead that's not listening to him and so god allows suffering now you need we need to be very clear what we are saying and what we're not saying i am not saying that god uh, orchestrated these christians in rome to be fed to lions so that he could refine the character of their their loved ones. 
Like, it would be really hard to rejoice in that. I'd rather not have my character refined. Like, let, let me have my loved one. But what I am saying is that God has a redemptive purpose in suffering. Suffering happens. It is part of living in a fallen world. Suffering happens. It's the one thing that unites every single one of us. Pastor Chuck over at First Reformed put out this video on Facebook wanting people to submit prayer requests. And he said, I know that you're, you're either going through a storm right now or you just came out of one or you're about to go in one. And he's absolutely right. Every single one of us, we're either going through a storm right now, maybe we just came out of one, or maybe we're about to go into one. That's what it is living in a fallen world. Suffering is part of it. And so what does God do? Well, he doesn't waste the pain. He finds a redemptive purpose for our suffering. It would be foolish for us to wake up in the morning and to, to seek out suffering. Like that would, would make absolutely no sense, but we don't need to seek it out because it's going to find us. One day it's going to show up on our doorstep and it's going to ring the doorbell. And it's going to come in whether we want to invite it in or not. And when it happens, what are we going to do? We're going to cry. And we're going to grieve. And we're going to suffer. And we're also going to grow. Because God doesn't waste the pain. If I were to ask you to think through your life about the times where you have grown the most, I could almost guarantee that there was some hardship related to that. There was some suffering that was related to that. Why? Because that's where the growth comes. That's where the transformation comes. There are all kinds of experiences in my life that I could point to. One of them was when I just graduated college. I moved out to Northern Virginia. I was volunteering with an organization ministering to international students. I moved out without a job. I didn't know anybody. I was living in the home of my college roommate's parents who every day like to ask, did you find a job today? Did you find someone to live with today? And it was a hard season for me. And, and I cried some days. And what I also did was I grew. Psalm 27, 14 for me became a lifeline. It says, wait on the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait on the Lord. And I did. And God used that season in my life to, to change me, to transform me. So God uses the heat of discipline, he uses the heat of suffering, and he uses this, the heat of just hardship in general. James wrote about that. Listen to how James puts it. This is chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. James says, consider it pure joy. <laughs> consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's interesting, James and, and Paul say just about the same thing because rarely do they say the same thing. Like Paul was big on this idea, we are justified by faith alone, and James said, oh no, you show me your faith, I'm going to show you my works, faith that that doesn't work, it isn't really faith. 
They saw things a little differently, but when it came to hardship and it came to suffering, they said the exact same thing. Paul said, rejoice in your sufferings. James said, consider it pure joy because of what God is doing in the midst of it, bringing you to maturity, making you complete, not lacking anything. That is transformation. Heat changes things. That's what heat does. And one of the things that I've observed, and maybe you've observed over the years, is that the people that, that God seems to use the most are people who have endured the most, people who have suffered the most. There's something that happens to us when we go through hardship, when we go through suffering, that our faith is forged in the fire, and something in us begins to shine. And for people who have really tasted hardship and suffering, it shines even brighter. So I think of John the Baptist sitting in Herod's prison. He's about to die. And that light inside of John the Baptist is shining so brightly, inspiring countless disciples by his faith. I think of Job, who literally, his life collapsed around him. And I think of him saying, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. And, and even after my skin has been destroyed and it was being destroyed, even after that, I will see him. How my heart yearns within me. The light was shining bright. I think of Paul in prison, in chains, writing a letter to the Philippians. And he writes, I want you to know that these chains that are pinching in on my arms and, and my bones, they are advancing the gospel. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but that I'm going to have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So I want to circle back and, and conclude the way we began. Do you want to be transformed? Because God's going to turn up the heat to do that. Sometimes I, I pray on, on those rare occasions, Lord, do whatever it takes to transform me. And then I realize what I just prayed. And I follow it up with quickly, Lord, be gentle. Lord, just turn up the heat just a few degrees because if you turn it up really hot, I, I don't think I can do it, God. I need you, God. To which I think he turns around and says to me, Scott, that's the whole point. Join us, we pray. Father God, you know uh, we don't want the heat. Lord, we work hard to escape the heat. And yet, Lord, uh, we pray that uh, we would follow the examples we've heard about today, that we wouldn't despise ourselves, that when you bring the heat of correction into our life, that we would listen, Lord, that we would move off the path of self-destruction that we're on and, and move on to a level path. And Lord, when you bring the heat of suffering, you know how we don't like to suffer, but we pray that even in our suffering, we would 
look to you and put our hope into you and, and you would transform us. And Lord, when we go through hardship and trials of many kinds, Lord, help us consider it pure joy and, and do the work that only you can do. Make our hard hearts soft and our stiff necks a little more loose. We pray this in the power of your name. Amen.